Thank you for choosing Macabre today. Please remain seated and strap in during the duration of this episode. It's going to be a bumpy ride, and we hope you enjoy your time with us. And remember, listener discretion is advised. I swear, every time, I will literally, every single time, choose the right one first. Just, just remember it has the word ladies in it. Yeah, and I, I will do that. Then I'm like, okay. No one's in. <laughs> Second Lady guess yourself. Yeah, and then I'll go out and I'm like, okay. And then, I'll, yeah, I don't know. It's stupid. So, so I noticed this. Uh, I didn't say anything. Uh, uh, listeners, we just finished recording a crossover episode. Our origin episode, yeah. essentially, with uh, Cryptids of the Corn. That was so fun. It was so much fun. I- I can't they're, wait to do that again. They're the coolest guys. They're so nice. They are. They are and so nice. Without giving it away, how do you feel about the the feedback? I'm shocked to be honest because I never that Thought that concept yeah. wasn't even in my head. Yeah. Yeah. And now I know where I can start looking for more things and have my mind open to that side of it too instead of just trying to look in one One particular subject yeah Mm -hmm. so that's cool listeners you'll get to hear how blair and i met how we kind of started the show and then the experiences that we had that um are a little bit outside of the things that we normally talk about falling into like Mm -hmm. cryptid territory or creature territory um Mm -hmm. so something something very different for the show that i think you'll you'll very much enjoy Uh, we definitely enjoyed doing it so yeah that's gonna happen again we gotta hang with them that was hilarious it was fun so is this new (laughs) is this a is this real it's cute thanks remember that one time i told you that i ripped it out yeah for real ouch super yeah Thank you. Yeah, I uh, wish I wish I could still have the real one, but I royally messed up my nose while ripping out the original. Oh no! On the inside, yeah, I got. So- well, we've talked about me getting things done in my face because of medical things, mm-hmm. so I have a lot of scar tissue in there that and around. Makes it challenging for piercings for sure. Yep. So. <laughs> um okay so listeners uh before we start the episode i'll preface by saying i am just getting over a two-week illness of i don't know varying things that have changed over the two weeks um so hopefully i don't sound too terrible hopefully i won't like get into you sound great (laughs) thanks I don't have my raspy voice anymore, <laughs> unfortunately. So it doesn't sound as oh, sexy as it did, but um Brown trigger wow wow. <laughs> Your voice always sounds sexy. <laughs> but um yeah, so we uh we had some technical issues with uh my microphone. Uh unfortunately it did impact some of our recordings, so apologies. But um we're actually re recording this episode today because of the impact that it had and you know once we were already in it and listening to it i'm just like i can't 
do that, you know? So here yeah. we are. We're going to give it to you a second time. And you didn't even know you got oh, it first yeah. time. <laughs> Getting it but twice. is that good or bad? I mean, yeah, you get it twice. But I don't, I don't know <laughs> if we should be advertising it that much. You didn't even know you got it the first time. <laughs> That's very macabre. Um, it is. I take, I take that back. Um, so yeah, today's episode is the letter U, and I miss spooky Ooh. season. I'm not gonna lie, I miss spooky season. Me too. So this is kind of like too. my way of you know like bringing a little spooky back. Like Justin Heck Timberlake yeah. says, bringing sexy back. I'm gonna bring spooky back. <laughs> Can we please pay somebody just to do that song over for us in that back. fashion? I'm bringing spooky yeah. back. <laughs> um, anyway. oh my gosh we need to make this happen now <laughs> you can imagine it in your head people. you know what I'm about. oh totally i can totally i love it all right well there's no time like the present so uh why don't we just uh get into it but here's something <laughs> we haven't done for a while and maybe we should start doing this again because, you know, we've got our dedicated listeners, but we might pick up new listeners on each new episode. Yeah. So uh, let's just kick this off by saying, welcome to Macabre. My name is Hallie. Yes. I'm Blair. And we are so excited that you are joining us today. The letter U. Very. Today's episode yes. is about urban blood. And I'm sure most of you are like, you know, you know, urban legends. You remember the movie that came out like way back in the day. And no, since we were kids, we were Jared Leto. Oh, Jared Leto. Was he in that? How did I forget that? He was was like my, like my, I movie crushes. Did he die like instantly? (laughs) Well, I'm not going to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it in a while or has never seen it. So you can be surprised when you watch it again. Okay. Worth a rewatch if he's in. No, safe to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, if you're familiar with urban legends, it's going to conjure up images of things like alligators in the sewers or a man wielding <laughs> a hook on his hand, you know, scraping the claw or the whatever you want to call it along the side of a parked car when they're two uh, unsuspecting lovers making out in the front seat. Little do Bounce they know. Uh oh. <laughs> Their demise <laughs> is blooming. Um, but most times, like urban legends, are really meant to be kind of a warning. Um, you know, they're tales of folklore. They're traditions that have been passed down orally from generation to generation as a way to warn people of the dangers of doing immoral acts. And not only that, but it's a way to control people by preying on their dark Sometimes, these urban legends aren't always myth and folklore. Sometimes they are actually based on true tales of terror that serve as a And before we kick this thing off, remember, that macabre is not for the faint of heart, and this is your episode's Dig That Trigger Warning. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Bow chicka. Uh-oh. <laughs> I started saying that. It's not going to go away now. I, I like it. Um, I like it a lot. Uh, and also, for our Patreon listeners, be prepared to spoop. You may spoop your pants on this episode. Don't know what that means? Then maybe join us on <laughs> Patreon so you get the full all right. Hopefully we well, won't let, be spooping. Hopefully we won't be spooping. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start with two tales of terror that I like to call It Came From Inside the House. Now would be a great time to insert some music. I don't know. Maybe we'll do that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay. Our first story is that of Ruthie May McCoy. Ruthie Mae McCoy lived in a high-rise building in the projects near the south side of Chicago. Suffering from paranoia most of her life, Ruthie had been in and out of psychiatric facilities for treatment of various mental conditions. She was known to curse at people in the street, mumble under her breath, and after being recently released from a psychiatric treatment on April 22nd of 1982, Ruthie returned to her home at the Abbott Apartments. Now, you have to understand that the Abbott Apartments were located in the project, first and foremost. The building itself mm-hmm. was in really, really bad shape. And when I say bad shape, I mean uh, the elevators malfunctioned frequently. The stairwells oh. were almost completely black due to poor lighting. And the hallways were literally littered with cocaine and PCP addicts. And there were pretty much thieves lurking around every corner. So this was not a good environment in general. But for Ruthie May, who was already paranoid, it was a terrible place for her to be. So keep that in mind um, for the rest of the story. Now, Ruthie had a corner apartment on the 11th floor. And it was on the evening of April 22nd, around 9 p.m., that 911 received a phone call from a panicked Ruthie. And I'm actually going to read you the, well, part of the 911 transcript. And it goes a little something Okay. Like I'm a resident at 1440 West 13th Street, and some people next door are totally tearing this down, you know. The frantic voice began. What are they doing, ma'am? asked the dispatcher. McCoy's response is unintelligible on tape, but apparently the dispatcher caught her gist. They want to break in, he said. Yeah, they throwed the cabinet down. Dispatcher. From where? McCoy. I'm in the projects. I'm on the other side. You can reach reach my bathroom. They want to come through the bathroom, the dispatcher says. All right, ma'am. At what address? McCoy responded. 1440 West 13th Street, apartment 109. The elevators work. Dispatcher. 1109. All right. What's your name, ma'am? McCoy responded. Ruth McCoy. The dispatcher says, all right, I'll send the police. And ended the call. Now, the dispatcher, when they took the call, they weren't quite sure what to make of it. They most likely assumed that Ruthie was delusional because she wasn't really making a lot of sense. Mm Mm-hmm. So, with this looming in the back of the dispatcher's mind, 
the um, dispatcher decided they were going to list the report as a disturbance with a neighbor, which is not the same as someone's trying to break into my apartment. Exactly. So these two, like, this variance in severity plays into how this all ends. Um, because it was just like, oh, well, she's, you know, there's a problem with the neighbor. They didn't really, like, send anyone out quickly. It took longer for them to get a car out to the residence. Um, and I think it was very shortly after Ruthie called the dispatcher, another phone call came. Um, oh, tonight. no. Yeah, this time it was actually from a neighbor in the same apartment. And the neighbor, I guess, had been walking in the hallway and heard gunshots from inside Ruthie's apartment. Oh. And then, another two minutes later, a call was placed by another neighbor tonight. So now here we are, within a few minutes of Ruthie's first call, uh, we've got police finally on the way. Uh, it took them about 10 minutes to get there, and there were a total of four officers um, on on the scene. So, now, here's where we get into some, um, maybe not some, what do you call it? A little bit of incompetence by the police? Mm. So, the officers showed up, they banged on the door, mm -hmm. and, you know, basically said, hey, we're here, and there was no response. So they yelled Ruthie's name. They still didn't get a response. And then the next half hour or so, they were kind of like walking around the apartment building, trying to find a way to get a key to the, uh, to the apartment instead uh, of breaking the freaking door down. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Why wouldn't you just break the door down if there's no response? Well, that's a good question that you asked. And here's the answer. The reason they didn't break the door down was because one of the security guards in the building told them not to. They said if they broke the door down, they were probably going to get sued by the owner. So instead of breaking the door down, they just left. Oh my gosh. Like, first of all, <laughs> when do police listen to some maintenance person inside of a derelict building? Yeah. Like, we're going to get sued. Have you seen this place? Uh-huh. Like, yeah. uh... And I think that the safety of the people inside the apartment should be precedence over a bill. Like, I'm sure the city can pay that. Yeah, Give agreed. Me, you know, that expensive. People over buildings. Bill. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, in our last episode, T, we know how that goes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yo. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I have some strong words I'm not going to say yeah. alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and it it will make even more angry later when you hear they kind of at the end of the story. But um so the next question is we know Ruthie basically was saying that someone was trying to get into our apartment. But the door was locked, yeah. right? So we're like how did someone get inside mm -hmm. of her apartment? And when she called, she actually said the words tearing down her cabinet, tearing down my cabinet or something to that effect. And when she said that, she was telling the truth. Yeah. So as it turns out, the, the way the building was designed, 
and the cheat factor and all of that, the bathroom mirror in her apartment, it didn't have a wall between it and the next apartment, the apartment adjacent to it. There was no wall separating oh. one bathroom cabinet from another bathroom cabinet. So basically, you can just rip the cabinet and climb in, which is exactly what happened. That's scary. Yeah. So someone, I don't know if they were, no. like, casing the place or casing Ruthie, um, but they climbed in through her bathroom cabinet opening and shop and this oh the reason my this, gosh i know it's so bad and it the reason it falls into um like urban legend territory is because this particular story actually inspired the scene in the 1992 Candyman movie there's a scene where like i think it's mm-hmm. Candyman like bursts through the mirror um it, it kind of stemmed from yep. this um actual real life story so, it proves that oh, sometimes wow. danger is already inside your house. And in Ruthie's case, sadly, mm-hmm. she did not get the prompt attention of the police. Um, she didn't get the prompt attention of the dispatchers. Given her mental health history um, and knowing that she was paranoid, the chances of anyone taking her seriously were very unlikely. Um, and that's exactly how this played out. That's horrible. Now, uh, what the reports say after the fact is that if the police had broken down the door when they very first arrived at Ruthie's apartment, if Ruthie had been taken to the hospital immediately, she most likely would have survived the gunshot wound. Uh, so there was a huge failure by the police. Why? Like, um, because what did the landlord think after that? I don't know. And the thing is, they didn't even bother to come back until the next day. So, like, she was left inside her apartment overnight. They didn't even come back Jeez. until, like, midday, I think, the next day. So uh, I can't imagine. It's so know, frustrating. How long she would have survived, suffered. I don't know. But, um, yeah, that's urban, the first urban legend. Um, this other tale is also, uh, it came from inside the house. This is an urban legend that most of our listeners are probably familiar with. The idea of, like, the babysitter that gets a phone call um, from uh. a stranger and then quickly realizes that the caller is hiding somewhere inside the house. I think that this was, like, a fake scenario that was just a thing made up about young kids who are supposed to be responsible, taking care of children, um, just as a way to like instill fear into them, pay attention, mindful. But in this particular case, it actually happened in real life. So the story that kind of um, prompts this urban legend took place in March of 1950 in Columbia, Missouri. A 13-year-old by the name of Jeanette Christman decided to skip a party with her friend to make a little extra cash babysitting for a local family named Roman. The three-year-old boy that she was babysitting was already asleep when she arrived, so it should have been a pretty easy job, right? 
just show up, yeah, to sleep, hang out till the parents get home. Easy. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened next, no one really knows to the full extent of how the evening played out. But before the night was over, Janet Crispin had been raped and strangled inside the Romac home. She also had several puncture wounds on her body. When the Romacs came home and found her body, the telephone was off of the hook. Evidence of a struggle spread across two rooms in the house. Dozens of men were questioned in connection with Jeanette's murder. The most likely suspect was named Robert Mueller. He was a friend of the Romax and had been heard saying very creepy things like Janet had a nice form. Now, remember, we're talking about a 13-year-old girl and a guy who was 27 mm-hmm. years old making comments on her body. Nope. This guy also was known to carry a mechanical pencil with him. So, the pencil matched the puncture wounds found on Jeanette Bob. And I wish the story had a happier ending, but unfortunately the justice system failed again, and the police completely screwed up the investigation, and Mueller was never formally charged with crime. In this case, oh my gosh, unsolved to this day. That's horrible. And the fact that she skipped a party... To go and yeah. babysit. Just to make like a she was being extra money. Responsible. Yeah. Yeah. She's being a good yeah. kid. And she wasn't like, like, you know, the movies that they show, the scenario play out where girls are like sneaking their boyfriends in. Mm-hmm. You know, drugs and whatever. Like, it wasn't like that at all. Just this guy was probably... I would assume, obviously, if she was babysitting this family, she must have known them. She'd probably done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know the situation with their friend or why he would have been involved, but somehow he, yeah, maybe, maybe he was like hanging out one time when she come over, came over, and he developed this infatuation with her. Um, and the phone off the hook. There, she tried to call for help, or maybe someone did call. I don't know, but um. Yeah. Tragic situation. If it truly was him, he should get that mechanical pencil right up the peel. He's probably dead now. Oh, surely he's dead now. Yeah. In the 50s. Alrighty. Now we move from inside the house to the next couple of stories I like to call the boogeymen. The first one, we're going to talk about (laughs) The Slender Man. Oh, yes. Very familiar with that one. <laughs> yeah, because that happened in Wisconsin, right? Yeah, uh, in Kenosha. How far is that from you? Uh, a couple hours, I think. If you're not familiar with Slender Man, you can probably base it off of the name of what you think it might look like. But it's like this guy that's very tall, unnaturally thin. Uh, the face is usually shown as being all white, without features, and um, this character is shown wearing a suit. Oh no, okay, so listeners, we were recording, obviously you're listening to this episode, and I started talking about Slender Man, and then um, I got to a point where I was describing him, which I'm just going to pick up kind of where I left off, but then 
Blair just wasn't there anymore and just some weird stuff went down. So we had to like leave and come back. So we're going to pick up where we left off. But yeah, it was just creepy. So yeah, it was weird because I, I even had a pop up box. Yeah. Cause it was, I mean, I didn't touch anything. And I mean like nothing. Yeah. And there's a box that popped up here at the top that says, we are having issues now that you've changed your device. I was like, I touched nothing. No, I didn't do it. <laughs> All right, we'll try this. It. We'll try this again and hopefully <laughs> Slender Man won't get us. But um Okay. So back to Slender Man. Uh Slender Man yeah. online went viral. The images of Slender Man uh show him as being really tall and thin, uh humanoid like creature, no face. Uh, the face is uh, generally whited out, no no features, and for whatever reason, mm -hmm. the dude is wearing a suit. And then yeah. before we had the weird stuff happen, I said that uh, I don't know about you, but anything without a face is extra creepy for some reason. Like, I don't, it totally is. Don't know why. Like there's something about that, like not having definition. Just. Uh, mm -hmm. Gross. Yeah, yeah. He went viral online, but then what perpetuates this urban legend is this true crime story. And um he became this icon and then on May thirty first of two thousand fourteen, two girls, uh Anissa Anissa Weir and Morgan Geyser mm -hmm. lured their twelve year old mm -hmm. friend Peyton Bootner into the woods after her birthday party and uh basically she was intended to be a sacrifice to the slender Peyton Bootner was stabbed 19 times by Morgan Geyser with kitchen while Anissa Weir like was agging it on um Morgan had proposed the idea of murdering Peyton and she basically orchestrated and carried out the plan while Anissa watched. Both girls left their friend Peyton to die in the woods. Fortunately, Peyton survived by crawling out of the woods for help. After being stabbed 19 times, this girl crawled out of the freaking woods. She's a badass. And... Mm -hmm. um, at 12 years old. Yeah, and she, she freaking lived. She had a will to live, so mm -hmm. she did. Now, uh, some time has gone by. These girls were young when this happened. And since then, um, basically the justice system, what happened was um, the gr two girls that were involved in stabbing, they both faced the justice system and spent time in psychiatric care. Anissa Weir, the one who was not, like, directly involved in the stabbing, but was kind of like, yeah, go, you know, get her or whatever. She has been released mm -hmm. back into society. So she's out. Which, I, again, I don't mm -hmm. know how I feel about that. Um, I don't know. I'll let you form your own opinion. But she's out. Uh, the person who did the stabbing, Morgan, has not yet been released. Her petition for conditional release was actually denied in August of 2023. So she was tr she tried. 
And they were like, nope, not mm -hmm. yet. Yeah. And there, there's documented mental illness involved too. And I think that that's part of it. Like they're, uh, or Morgan specifically. They're not even right? going to, mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they're not even going to even entertain the idea of another attempt oh, no. until they know that she's actually making progress. Yeah. Now, I know there's a documentary on this case, a really good one. I think mm -hmm. it's on HBO, or it was at one point. Um, but I think my understanding is that the two girls that were involved in the crime, the one specifically that, like, orchestrated the whole thing and actually carried out the stabbing, I'm pretty sure she has a really dark past. If mm -hmm. my memory serves me correctly, that she was you know, there was a lot of darkness in her history, which does not excuse the behavior because I am a believer that you always have a choice. Um, it's mm -hmm. sad that yep. she couldn't have gotten help, you know, with mm -hmm. the mental health struggles and trauma and the PTSD, like, again, the system failed. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of this could have been avoided if, you know, she had gotten the help that she needed early on could have avoided mm -hmm. but, but anyway that's I agree and my soapbox. My soapbox. I will step off now <laughs> but if you're interested in hearing more about the Slenderman case um, just google Slenderman documentary I think it's the only one it's, it's really good mm -hmm. alright well the next boogeyman is the legend of Crocs and now you know because this is round two before yep. you didn't before you didn't nope. know um so the story of cropsy is a little bit different because cropsy was an urban legend that circulated some time ago in staten island in new york city as a way to warn children away from an abandoned sanatorium Topsy was rumored to be a homicidal madman, an escaped mental patient with a hook or a hand, who hunted children and dragged them back to the tunnel system that lay under the abandoned ruins of the old Seaview Hospital, which was uh, former, formerly a tuberculosis sanitary. And this legend was uh, kind of circulated by parents as a way to just keep their kids from going too far from home and staying away from that you know, that mess of an abandoned building because, you know, shit can happen. It's just a way to keep kids from danger. Mm -hmm. But in this situation, it actually, like, started out as a legend but then turned into something real. So a little bit different, yeah. <clears throat> um, no, no. So for a while that, theory, that tactic, parents telling their kids that it worked for a while. But then one day it didn't. So, as it turns out, Cropsy was real. Kind of. Now, we could do an entire episode on Willowbrook State School, and we might eventually in the future, mm -hmm. but this is the state school that uh, Geraldo Rivera did an expose on in 1972. It That's was, right. Do you remember that? I do. That yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so if you've not was... seen the footage, I think you can find it on YouTube, right? Probably on YouTube. Yeah. I, I mean, you can find anything on YouTube. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, it was a big, it was probably Geraldo Rivera's big break, if I'm mm -hmm. honest. And basically what he did was he went in and, you know, filmed the conditions inside this sanatorium. And it had some of the most inhuman conditions you could imagine. Severe overcrowding, sexual abuse, unsanitary conditions, maltreatment, neglect, pretty much anything went. Um, and this involved children, which is really Ugh. terrible and awful. Um, basically, the stuff that like you see in horror movies, this happened in real life. Now, the reason that I bring up Willowbrook uh, specifically is because now the legend of prophecy kind of gets translated to an actual person by the name of Andre mm -hmm. Rand. And he was a former janitor at that sanatory. So mm. after the expose, the hospital shut down. Andre Rand was arrested that same year in connection with the disappearance of a 12-year-old girl by the name of Jennifer Schweiger. Her body was later found in a shallow grave on the abandoned state school ground. Rand had been living as a drifter on the grounds after the school shut down. Now, again, unfortunately, there wasn't enough evidence to convict him of the crime but they ended up getting him on a bunch of other stuff later so he didn't get away completely but he wasn't charged for murder um, <sighs> here's another trigger warning so Cropsy, real life Cropsy, this guy had a really long rap sheet of sexual abuse involving children this was not his first crime his crimes went as far back as the late 60s involving attempted sexual abuse, sexual abuse, assault, kidnapping, and possibly murder. He even kidnapped a bus full of children from a YMCA at one point. So this guy Holy was a real-life boogeyman. And there, there are possibly other potential murder victims whose bodies have not been found. Rand, the real-life prophecy, is in prison and won't be up for parole until he's 93 years old. Oh. Uh. Mm-hmm. And the question is, how the hell did he get a job working with children, yeah. vulnerable children? Yeah. Like, Did they not the check any records? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so creeping around. Um, and yeah, so that is that is the story of uh, the second boogeyman. And then the only other one that I have mention of is the bunny man. And I'm not oh. really sure if this one is actually true or not because there's kind of conflicting information available but basically bunny man was potentially like 
some sort of like escaped psychiatric patient that wielded an axe and then murdered some people and like took their intestines out and he like hung them from Whoa. this bridge in this one area and then vanished and that you know, the line is like you'll never catch the bunny man and then years later there were other people hanging from the same spot in similar conditions and people have claimed to have seen a guy in a bunny suit wielding an axe. One of them said that he attacked a car. Um, but the truth of this, I don't really know. There's not enough evidence to substantiate if it is, in fact, a real thing. But it's an urban legend nonetheless. Well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ooh. I saw a dude running around in a bunny suit with an axe. Um, I might actually, like, I don't know, put the car into, like, a high acceleration and run the guy over? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at that, that point, yeah. yeah. Depends on your car, though, because... <laughs> That's true. If it's... Ugh. Speaking of, this guy is famous enough that he ended up as a... um character piece in one of my games that i play i was gonna say that the bunny man sounded familiar in that action and i can't remember what game is it so there's a game that's based on a series of books um uh -huh. these two guys basically drove around u.s collecting stories about legend and lore and folklore and real stuff it's called weird u.s that's uh, so cool which the one book that I brought for you for Friendsgiving was the weird <laughs> Wisconsin um, book yes. from that collection. But That'd the game cool. was really funny. It like basically took all of these um, characters from all across the U.S. And the, the pieces are really cool. They're like handcrafted. I don't know. So the Bunny Man one's like oh, holding cool. an axe. There's like a melon head guy. Um, oh, yeah, there's like all this weird stuff just based off things, you know, throughout us. It's, it's called weird. That's it's cool. It's probably really hard to find. They don't make it anymore, so you'd have to get, like, oh. you know, uh, an older version of the game. Um, but if you ever get a chance, it's pretty fun. You like drive around trying to like pick up hitchhikers and you can steal hitchhikers. <gasps> it's just a fun, silly silly little game that would be fun to play it is fun do like so yeah that'd those be fun are to do my together. urban legends that i picked out i know blair you had one uh as a game that we all played as kids that you might have mm -hmm. some insight to add to the conversation oh yeah we couldn't end we it without it? this one Should oh, we say it not out three times that's for not sure three times <laughs> not times? three times how does it work on digital things? That's what I want to know. Mm. Well, yeah, we can say oh. it one time. Ready? We, of course, are talking about <gasps> Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hallie for Christmas got me this book for uh, if if the video catches it. Uh, it's called Dangerous Games to Play in the Dark 
by Lucia Peters. I highly recommend you pick it up. It's a really great read. Um, there are warnings and disclosures in here, and I'm also going to back up those warnings and disclosures in here of maybe you should not definitely try these at home. Like, not at yeah, all. No. Like, a uh, thousand percent don't. But I know that many... Yeah, exactly. Especially since um, each game that she covers here, it it will categorize it. Um, the very first page that each one is covered, they have the risk level, objective, additional warnings, and a potential reward, which really isn't a reward at all. So, no. uh, yeah. In most cases, <laughs> there is no reward. Yeah. None. None at all. And apparently playing Bloody Mary is actually a high risk level. So can you read can you read that first page? Yeah. Well, I don't know about if if it would be can we do yeah, we can do that. I can use quotes and we already said her name. Yeah. Uh so the in quote, the first page it says, which I I didn't know some of this. Um, I only thought it was based on, like, Queen Mary. Um, apparently it could be other Marys, which we'll get into. Uh, the roots of this mirror game, known as Bloody Mary, stretch back to a folk tradition practiced by young people in the 19th century. And it was said that if you walk backward up a staircase in a darkened house at night, passing a mirror as you went, you would see reflected in the mirror one of two things. The face of the person you were destined to marry or a skull. If the skull appeared, it meant that you were destined to die before you had the chance to marry anyone. Bloody Mary itself, meanwhile, appears to have come along somewhat mm. later. Mm -hmm. Although exactly one is a little hazy. We do know that the legend was firmly established in the United States by the 1970s. Uh, folklorist Janet Langlois, um, Langlois's essay, Mary Wales, I Believe in You, published in Indiana Folklore, a reader in 1976, features several, yeah, I know, uh, features several versions of the legend which Langlois had gathered throughout the early 70s. And as for who Bloody Mary is, well, that changes depending on how you're talking or who you're talking to. To some, she's Mary Worth, who may have been either a Puritan woman who was tried and executed for witchcraft. We've kind of covered her a little bit in the Whitewater Witches episode or a woman, a woman who was killed in a car crash more recently. To others, she's Mary Wales, who might be the aforementioned car crash victim, or a vanishing hitchhiker-type spirit. Some say that she's the vengeful spirit of a mother who lost her child. <clears throat> and still others say she's Mary Tudor, which is the version that I know, and that's always what I thought it was. Uh, Mary Tudor, of course, being the Queen of England, who reigned from 1553 to 1558, and... Uh, became known as Bloody Mary uh, for the execution she carried out against Protestants in an effort to restore Catholicism to England, which that would be a great episode to cover on this show. I know we covered Henry VIII. That is one of the Henry, Henry VIII's daughters. Um, she had a major, ri major rivalry with Elizabeth um, because 
a major factor in that was religion. Obviously, there were other underlying issues, but yeah, uh, she got that nickname because she put a ton of what she deemed heretics at the stake because they weren't Catholic at the time. So she actually even showed up in some rhymes uh, to scare kids at night. Um, so depending on what you consider, like what the background is, who Mary is, which Mary, all that things, um, it's the same on how you play it. So, in, and it goes through in the book on how to do it. You have to choose the room and the mirror prior to being nighttime. Um, you gather your supplies. You're going to need a mirror and a candle, basically. And you sit in that room in front of the mirror with the candle lit only. The lights have to be off. And this game has to be played at night. So, so this you have to, to make... It sounds a little bit like scrying. Are you familiar with yeah. scrying? Mirror yep. scrying? That's kind of what it sounds like a little bit. But go ahead. Yeah, it definitely is. And it makes you wonder if, like, are you doing other things in the meantime playing this game? You know what I mean? Mm, like, I don't think yeah. you're necessarily reaching a Mary. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was just a name given to whatever that is. But, uh, yeah, so obviously you have to face the mirror. You have to look yourself in the mirror, make eye contact with yourself. And, of course, you repeat the word or term Bloody Mary. Now, a lot of times you'll hear, oh, you repeat it three times. Well, according to this, uh, 13 is the magic number. Ooh. So you have to say it Yikes. 13 times. Yeah. Um, you have to consistently make eye contact with yourself while you're saying this. No, I can't and, do that yep, anyways. Nope. Yeah. And they said that you have to, like, concentrate harder and harder to make sure you're looking at yourself and, like, not behind you. Um, and apparently she can appear with different expressions on her face. Um Sometimes it's even said that sh you can feel her touch you. Yeah. Um, pretty creepy. But that's the story of uh, Bloody Mary. And the scientific explanation, and she, she goes into that in the book as well, but um, one of the scientific explanations for the feelings that you're getting... Um, the warped sense of your own features in the mirror and potentially seeing hallucinations behind you or around you um, is because there are a ton of studies that have been done where just psychologically looking at yourself in the mirror for too long, your brain can't comprehend it after a while. Your brain likes to play tricks on you, so it's going to start, to you anyway, distorting your face. And making you look creepier and creepier over time because you're starting to freak yourself out. Well, some people which I find say that really creepy. Like, yeah, well, some people say like there's meditative practices that you can do and should do where you do stare in a mirror for a really long time, and mm -hmm. that it will actually cause you to see yourself in a different way, and like that there's something that's actually happening. Mm hmm 
which is that, creepy like, breaks, and like it breaks down the ego and like it's really trippy so i'm i'm i've never been able to do that um no i can't mm-hmm. even like look at myself glance wise right in the mirror <laughs> i don't like my face right. <laughs> to put on makeup is about as long as i'm gonna yep and it's then exactly. i'm not looking myself in the eyes i'm i'm looking to apply makeup so i'm not right. staring my in my own eyes right. um yeah exactly Ugh. very creepy so yeah that, but yeah uh, that's the urban legend up. of bloody mary it does round of urban legends yeah what do we have coming up Hallie? oh definitely Uh, learn things learn what not to do uh yeah (laughs) learn to be more paranoid too (laughs) yeah for those of us who are already anxious and paranoid (laughs) yep you're welcome (laughs) sorry save in your own home we might actually save a life though i don't know yeah you know, we're hopeful. Check the closets. Uh, now mm-hmm. that we don't have landlines anymore, most people don't have landlines. So now it's like someone would have to call your cell phone uh, from mm-hmm. inside the house. Uh, stay away from abandoned buildings. Yep. Uh, what else? Uh, don't live in a janky apartment that doesn't have dividers between the wi- the bathroom cabinets. Mm-hmm. Don't uh, get lost too much in fantasy land that you get obsessed and think you need to sacrifice people to said character. Yeah. Yeah, because their goal was like if they sacrificed their friend, they could go be with Slenderman, right? And go live in his yeah, mansion. Yeah, like as his that minions was... or something. Yeah. So yeah. What's that? Right? No, be you. like, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be hypocritical, because honestly, like, if I was like, yeah, if you do this, you could go to Dracula's castle, be like, okay, do I get to live there, too? Uh, I'm gonna run oh, into I'm anybody. People. I'm in trouble, people. I can't go hang out with Blair anymore. She's gonna sacrifice me so she can go live with no. Dracula. JK! We all know he's not in a castle. Yeah. He's in it's my heart. Bad. <laughs> um, he okay. will forever be in the 1992 version of yeah we're, we're just gonna leave it to gary did you, oldman did you actually see the recent thing with gary oldman it was at some event no walking the runway modeling <gasps> like oh man you're gonna have to look it up because he looks good i almost sent you you know like, the memes he you still should. got it <laughs> uh, oh, never had a doubt in my mind that man could still get it. <laughs> um, on that note, uh, what do we have coming up next? Uh, I asked you that. You, you're coming up. You're doing the Vikings episode. Mm-hmm. Yes, I hope everybody's ready to uh, not eat lunch while they're eating, or not eat lunch while they're hearing that episode not eating the episode (laughs) hearing the episode uh that one is definitely uh listener discretion advised because we're gonna get into some pretty brutal things that the vikings did yeah that was a good one and yes Uh, 
was, it was crazy. And then what? Uh, and then we have Waverly Hills. Yes. Ooh. Yep. So and another you've round been there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you'll get to hear my personal Ugh. story experience at Waverly Hills. And then we've got uh, just the season wrap up. We have our origin story and the listener pickups. Yeah. Yep. And we want to thank everybody for submitting their stories for that as well. Uh, if you have more, please do send them. Um, we we cannot wait to cover that. There's a lot of content on that. It's creepy. Yeah. Well, and moving into season two, just keep sending stories because we'll mm -hmm. continue to do listener episodes. Uh, the more content we have, we really want to try to build a release content weekly, but it's yep. a lot of work for us. We both have full-time jobs. Um, so mm -hmm. having the listener stories is a great help to us to be able to put things together and still be able to yeah. deliver, you know, uh, weekly for you guys because yeah. we want to... also. We fell in love in spooky season. Like that, those stories blew us away. And I would love to do that once a month to mm -hmm. have like a monthly listen Listener. to whispers. Listen yeah. To whisper. yeah. Listen to that. whispers. Cause, so, well, we have to give credit to Riley for that one. Riley coined that. And coined I was like, oh, you're onto something. Yeah. Listen to um, whispers. Listen to whispers. But so yeah, we want to make. Find us? Yeah, you better. But we'll tell you. <laughs> so email us at thatsomacab at gmail dot com. Yep. Uh, leave a voice recording on our website at macabpod dot com. Mm -hmm. uh, find us on the private, private Facebook. Facebook. Yep. Just search macabre and you'll find us. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, social tell media, TikTok, Instagram. Yes, tell a friend. Yeah, share. And uh, as always, the best way you can support the show is by leaving us a stellar review on your favorite podcast yeah. platform. We like to we like to hear from you in all of the ways. So please keep it up. We love it, and we love you <laughs> in all the good ways. <laughs> <laughs> in all the good ways. And we love you. Not like in the bomb checker uh oh way, but just as a friend. A warm and fuzzy. You know, we love hanging out with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you weird like us too. Oh, come join us. <laughs> uh oh. My cough is coming back. <laughs> no. All right. On that note, <laughs> we'll see you next time. Till then, have fun. Be safe. Bye bye. Bye. This episode of Macabre was brought to you today by the Akimu. Remember to ask your Mesopotamian doctor today. Four out of five doctors do recommend this. You may be susceptible to becoming an Akimu if you do not check out the macabpod.com website. Email them at thatsomacabre at gmail.com. Join them on Instagram, their Facebook group, or not join them as a Patreon member. You could definitely be susceptible to becoming an Akimu. You can also be susceptible to becoming an Akimu if you forget 
forget to rate or review this podcast. And if you forget to show your love and appreciation for the ladies of Macabre, thank you.